Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how to grow their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu, which is the real estate growth automation software and your host of the show. And today, I'm really excited to bring to you guys a marketing expert, really from the mortgage industry. And uh, it's kind of a change to our show, but it's something that I think will give not only all of our team owners, but all of our agents listening, just tremendous value on how to position yourself differently in the market. So here today with Phil Treadwell. Phil is a 15-year vet to the mortgage industry. He's been a top producing uh, mortgage banker and also an independent mortgage banker. And he's currently the VP of development and a regional manager for Mason McDuffie Mortgage. Is that right? That is, yep. Okay. All right. So um, he's also the founder and host of the Mortgage Marketing Expert Podcast. And he's also a co-founder of the Industry Syndicate. And uh, those are things that I want to talk about today because those are things that you've done to differentiate yourself and really something that everybody should do to differentiate themselves, Phil. So tell me what I've missed. Man, I think you covered most of it. uh, I'm actually uh, just over 16 years in the industry. I started out as an originator, ran branches, owned a company, sold that company and and played in mid-sized mortgage banking uh, companies uh, pretty much ever since. Uh, Podcast host, do some speaking, uh, co-founded Industry Syndicate, which is you know podcast network for mortgage and real estate professionals. Both um, gotten some cool awards along the way, and and uh, just love the industry that we're all participating in. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely a fun industry, and definitely something that that applies to everybody in the world. I mean, everybody everybody has housing, and in order to get a house, I don't know what the percentage is. Probably ninety nine point nine of those uh, get a mortgage. So anyway. Um, I want to start by talking about podcasting and obviously we're here on a podcast. I started this podcast. I think this is my 34th, 35th episode, something like that. Um, So it hasn't been that long, but definitely a way to set yourself apart in the industry and to bring in expertise and provide value for, for your customers. Uh, I'd love to hear from you really what is the true value of doing this? Why should every agent, every team owner, whomever, why, why is this important? That's a great question. I am a self-proclaimed podcast evangelist. <laughs> so I, I typically like to uh, talk about podcasting and the importance of it. You know, the, to kind of start answering that question is, is really by kind of telling a little part of, of my journey in this. Um, several years ago, as I was a recruiting regional manager for a mortgage company, and I got outside of the local markets and, and the handful of states that I had personally done business in or, or knew people well, when I got outside of that, my uh, recruiting effectiveness went down. And so at the time, I was looking for a way to increase my exposure and my influence 
And at that time, people Googled people, right? When you met someone, you didn't look them up on social media like we do now. They were still Googling people. So I started doing some blogging. I was trying to do some content marketing, giving people stuff to see when they Googled. That quickly transitioned to social media. And I started an Instagram page called Mortgage Marketing Expert, specifically because I owned that website domain. I, I buy domains randomly. And I was starting to put out a mortgage marketing tip of the day. Mainly, I just wanted to add value to the industry, wanted to help people build their business, do marketing better. And after about 30 days, we had about a thousand people following that Instagram page. I'm like, okay, we're, we're on to something here. And after about 90 days, frankly, I ran out of things to say. There's only so many one or two liners that you can give people before you start, you know, covering the same ground again. So this idea of starting a podcast I had had for over a year, and I originally brought on experts so that whenever we were having a conversation, when they would throw out a tip, I could quote them and I would continue to feed this Instagram page. That, that was how, you know, close my mind, you know, was to it at the time. What I realized very quickly is people started paying a ton of attention to what we were doing because we were bringing people on that normally cost thousands of dollars a month for coaching. And I got them for 30 or 45 minutes to ask any question that I wanted. And so I used that to really build a platform to kind of piggyback off their audience and create some influence. And that's, you know, my audience was specifically mortgage professionals. And, and so, you know, with any type of marketing, I tell people, there's three steps. Number one is who is your audience? Number two is what message is it that you're trying to give that audience? And then number three, that's when you choose the medium. As a busy mortgage professional, I didn't watch a lot of long form videos. So I didn't sit and watch YouTube for <laughs> hours at a time. And even books, um, I'm an avid reader. I consumed a lot of those via Audible. But I did have time when I was at the gym, when I was commuting, when I was doing other things to consume a lot of podcasts. And so that was the medium that I chose and my content was just, you know, helping people build their business. And, and when it comes to the podcasting specifically, you know, I would say that half of people in the world still haven't even really listened to a podcast or really don't know much about what it is. So it, I say that to say it's still wide open. But there's some statistics that say that um, the average person uh, that's listening to a podcast is 40% more likely to have an income of $250,000 or more. And so when we talk about housing, that's your perfect demographic, right? You have okay, a lot of people you, that- Can you repeat that for us? I want to hear that one more time. Yeah, so, and, and I can pull the, the exact statistic, but it's, it's uh, the average podcast listener is 40% more likely to have an income of $250,000 or more. So for, for mortgage and real estate, that's exactly the demographic of the people that we want to hear, right? And so- that's our target audience, right? That's, that's the main thing that, you know, we should be taking away from these things. And when I was comparing video, you know, the average video view is less than 10 seconds. And even if you took the top 10 most watched videos on Facebook, for example, the average view was still only about 71 seconds. So from that perspective, I'm like, to be a top 10 most watched view on Facebook, or to the top 10 video on Facebook, they're still only gonna be there for a minute where according to Edison research, 93% of people listen to most or all of a podcast episode that they begin. And so, you know, only 7% listen to just the beginning or less than half. So I'm like, okay, hold on a second here. Videos aren't getting much engagement. Now, don't get me wrong. They're the most engaged type of content, 
but you have to be really, really, really good to even get them for a minute. But yet 93% of people are listening to all or most of a podcast episode. And when you look at the demographics of who those people are, I've got people that are exactly in the wheelhouse of, of who I want, right? As far as, you know, the housing industry. And the other statistic that's important to know about podcasting is that 70% of listeners say that they have become aware of a new product or service that they heard on a podcast. So you got two things here. If you have a product or service that you want to market on a podcast, that's a great way to get in front of people. Or if you're a service provider or someone that's trying to get known more in the community, you're going to be able to reach people by talking about topics. And you're also going to be able to attract people to you that want to be on your podcast, either as a guest or to monetize. And so that's some kind of some high level reasons why I was, you know, very drawn to podcasting people you know, listen to long form content more. You can take that long form content, this recording and break it up into, you know, the written form of content. If you want a transcript or these, you know, quote picks that I was pulling out, you can use some of the clips, you know, to do for audiograms. You can repurpose it into micro content very, very easily, which I think a lot of mortgage and real estate professionals are saying, well, I don't, I don't know when I'm going to create content or I don't have the time. Well, they do have time to maybe have an hour long conversation and then they can pay someone or take their spare time to break it up. And then the last thing I'll say about this. And now, can I, can I add to that? Cause please, now, please. now you have all of that content on your website for all of the SEO search engines, which otherwise they're not, they're not looking for your beautiful pictures. They're looking for the value that you're bringing. Totally. So, yeah. So totally agree. Your last point on that, Phil, was- Well, and, and to, to finish that thought, now if you Google, Google is pulling up those podcast episodes. They're actually adding that into their search results. Kind of like we used to Google something and you would get the web pages, but you get all the videos on there. Now they're doing that with podcast episodes. And there's talk of they're going to be, uh, they have AI platforms that are going to be reading and transcribing that episode to pull out keywords when people Google it as well. Because right now, if you Google something related to a topic that I had on my podcast, it's going to have to show up as, as SEO or keywords within the title or the show notes, right? So podcasters need to be very good about writing detailed show notes and having the keywords in there about what that specific episode is going to be. But in the future, again, all of those podcast episodes stay out there. When the algorithms catch up, they're also going to be listening to those podcast episodes. And if you and I say a keyword that someone's searching, we have a potential to be reached there. So that's a great, great point. I appreciate you bringing that up. But the, the last point that I think is very important for mortgage and real estate professionals to remember about a podcast is it doesn't have to be industry facing, right? Mine is, yours is, we're, we're, we're providing information to the industry about the industry, but that's because that's who our chosen audience is. For the average real estate professional, the average mortgage professional, they're trying to reach their sphere of influence. They're trying to reach people in the you know, community, clients, you know, consumers. So I recommend people choose podcast topics that are hobbies or other things that they're really interested and excited about. Because you, if you have a community podcast, whether it's on a national level or on a local level, you're attracting the type of people to listen that you want as potential clients, right? The very first podcast I ever listened to was a homebrewing podcast, uh, like homebrewing beer, because I opened up a craft beer brewery years ago. And so that was the first podcast I listened was ones that were teaching how to homebrew beer and they were interviewing pro breweries. 
And so I even have a guy that's on my team. He and his family have foster kids. They do a lot with nonprofits and ministries. And so he started a podcast where he highlights uh, nonprofits and ministries in his area and just interviews them to give them additional exposure. What happens? All of those people share it to their audience and they share it to other people to give, you know, exposure to these great causes. Okay, well, who, whose podcast was that? Who is that guy that's interviewing people? Okay, he's a mortgage professional. Guys, that's exactly the type of exposure you want because the old adage, people want to buy something, they don't want to be sold something. Refinances are popular right now, obviously, because interest rates are low. If you're handing out your card to the subway guy or to the you know, fellow parent at the PTA meeting and say, hey, call me if you want to refi, chances are they're not going to call you. But if you're having conversations and people ask what you do or see your social media profile and see what you do as a mortgage and real estate professional, they may reach out and start asking you questions about the business. So we have to be very careful in how we create influence, how we grow our business. And podcasting is a great way and it's a very uh, uninvasive way to get your name out there and let people know what you do so long as you're offering content that those people want to hear and find value. It's very interesting. I don't remember what percentage did you say that start a podcast, finish the podcast? 93%. And I've got the, the stats here. 52% listen to the entire thing when they start it and 41% listen to most. So together you have 93% of people listen to most or all of a podcast. Then you have 2% that just listen to the beginning and 5% that listen to less than half. So even if it falls into that 7%, if the average podcast episode, and it's not if, the average podcast episode is around 40 minutes, you're still getting them for 20 minutes. That's still 10 to 20 times the amount of time that people watch one of the most popular videos on a social media platform. So you still get that time to develop a thought process or an idea with somebody. I, th I think another point of that is when do people mostly listen to podcasts? Um, you mentioned when you're in the car or in the gym, that's the exact same time I listen to it. So, or possibly when I'm on a bike ride. So it's not like I'm going to stop and, and change what I'm listening to, right? I'm focused on something, but at the same time, I can focus on this and nothing else at the time. It's almost a release for, for me. Is, do you think that's pretty true for the, you know, the, the industry of listeners out there? I, I totally think so. And I also think the reason podcasting is catching on is we're not, I, I wrote a, a blog recently on my website that was what I learned in the first two years of podcasting. And one of the important things that I mentioned in there is that podcasters are not each other's competition or each other's business development. Because if I get an industry professional to listen to my podcast and they like it, they're very likely to go subscribe and listen to other industry podcasts and vice versa. So what you find is that the podcasting industry is extremely collaborative, that we spend a lot of time helping each other and developing ideas because, you know, just like it is in sales, not everyone's going to relate to everyone the same way. And so what we find is that busy professionals will go subscribe to a handful of podcasts. And then when they're at the gym, when they're listening in their car, when they're, you know, a lot of times I have people at the office that say, I turn on podcasts and listen to them while I'm working because it, it you know, creates the, the right environment for the thought that you need to, to be productive. 
Well, most apps, when they subscribe, will give you the newest episodes. And so you'll have some people that'll start from the very beginning and listen to every single episode you have. You'll have others that'll catch the new episode and then they'll keep listening to the new episodes. And it doesn't matter because, you know, you have hours and hours of content. And even if they only listen to a fraction of it, that's still probably more on a statistical level. And I'm guesstimating than the amount of content that they're going to consume on your YouTube page or on your social media channels. And a lot of times that you just, you just need the sheer time. Yeah. So you and I, um, who have businesses that are, I mean, and you, you are focused on consumers as well, but you also have a business bringing value, uh, and marketing for, for other people. I have a software company bringing value for the real estate and ancillary industries. So we're doing ours, but what if I'm a real estate agent or a team owner, you talked about maybe we do hobbies. Um, what other things though? I, I, I talked to Tom Ferry. Tom Ferry was on the show a while ago and, and he, I've heard him say many times, become the expert in your industry, provide them with valued data about the industry. But I mean, I guess it depends, right? What, what are your interests and what, what can you do consistently? Because what you don't want to do is start a show and then, that you then end after five or 10 episodes. Agreed. So I agree with all three of those. Number one, you can start a podcast that's of an interest of you. And, you know, there was a guy I heard of one time that uh, was, he played adult softball leagues and he started a podcast about it and created a nationwide following of these networks of people because that was something he was passionate about and he was getting business from all over the country. So hobbies do work. I do agree with Tom in a sense that be an expert in your industry, in your market, and you can create a real estate facing or mortgage facing podcast and talk about the industry from a consumer perspective. Mm -hmm. I think the ones that are most effective and, and the third idea in there is talk about things within your community, right? If you went and interviewed business owners um, about local businesses, or if you had a podcast related to new developments or, you know, not just residential developments, but new restaurants and businesses that were coming into town. Um, two things happen. One, you have people that live there that want to keep up with what's going on. And then you have people that are traveling to the area uh, that are thinking about moving to the area that are doing some research about it. And again, with that SEO we talked about, you popped up and get noticed. Well, if you're a mortgage or real estate professional and they're going to be moving to the area, that's your perfect client, right? So you're only really limited by your ability to uh, be creative. And I tell people, if you were a consumer looking for podcasts or as a consumer of podcasts, what type of things do you want to listen to? And what type of things are you going to enjoy doing? As you mentioned a second ago, you have to like doing it. You've got to want to continue to do it for a long period of time. So what are those things? And then by doing that, you're going to attract people to you like you are. And so for example, when I first started my podcast, I wanted to keep it around 30 or 45 minutes because a lot of the podcasts I knew were, were quite a bit longer, an hour, you know, sometimes two or three. Um, a lot of the podcasts I listened to had extremely lengthy intros and I wanted, okay, a punchy song, a quick intro, and then let's get to the podcast because I was having like five and six minutes of having to fast forward through to they actually got to the conversation. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask questions about my industry. Most of all, I wanted to make sure that I enjoyed listening to the podcast I was creating and knew that even if no one listened, I was learning a lot about it and could use the content in other ways. And I think that's what people need to do. Don't worry so much about what everyone else might think. 
do one that you think your intended audience or you yourself will like, and you'll attract the people to you because that's who we do business with anyway. Yeah, it's funny. Um, my, my wife or my family or different people have heard me listening to my own podcast. They're like, well, why are you listening to your own podcast? I'm like, because there's some content in here I want to hear again. And I want to be able to share with people, right? So uh, anyway. I don't think that's bad at all. I do listen. I'm not ashamed to say I listen to my own podcast episodes. I'll typically wait until they're a few months dated and then go back and listen again, sometimes a couple of times. Because what that does is I also learn how to be better as a podcaster. And then I learn about things or think about things that I haven't thought about for a few months. And then I can turn around and revisit that. And we, we have some recurring themes within it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that go out and interview or talk to uh, or about things and then use it. It's evergreen content most of the time. So use it. It's, it's, it's incredible. One, one of the ideas I love that you shared was talking about uh, interviewing local businesses. Um, I, think, I think it's a great idea. And not only does it do all of the things you shared, but it also, you're promoting these local business owners. What kind of loyalty do you think they're going to have to you? Which they are also buyers, right? And sellers of, of homes. So. Well, and, and, and let's think about it for a second. Just anybody, when you're a guest on a podcast, I'm a guest on this one, or I, I've, I've done a couple hundred of these outside of the 90 some odd episodes that I've done of mine. Whenever I'm on a podcast or it's my own, what do I do? I share it out with everybody on social media, right? As soon as I get the links to this, I'm going to share it. Hey, I was on Brian's podcast. We've had some cool conversations. Let me know what you think. If you're a business owner and you're not in this space of podcasting and someone in, in the, the, in the uh, community comes to you and says, hey, I have a podcast where we highlight and showcase local businesses. We'd love you to be on. When that podcast comes out as a business owner, what are you going to do? You're going to share it with everybody under the sun. You may embed it in your website because it's 30 minutes or 45 minutes of you talking about your business. So now all of the people that, that follow them or that are in their sphere of influence now have exposure to you and the podcast that you're hosting. And I'm not ashamed to say that's how I very quickly became uh, influential and created a brand within my industry and, and was very humbled to be voted uh, 40 most influential mortgage professionals under 40, not because of anything special that I did, but because I got the opportunity to collaborate with titans within the industry. They would come on my podcast. I would ask them all the cool questions that I wanted to get answered for me. People listened, number one. And number two, when they shared that podcast with their sphere of influence or, or on their social media prop, uh, profiles when they were uh, you know, nice enough to do so, all of the people that followed them are like, okay, who's this Phil Treadwell guy? Well, he's, he's got a podcast. And then they listen to the podcast and some kept listening. And, and you know, that's how kind of influence hacking or, or audience hacking works. If, yeah. you know, if you think about basic circle marketing, who do you know? Now, each one of those people has a circle that they know and so on and so forth. We're doing the same thing with podcasting and just grows and grows from there. So if you have a topic as a real estate professional or mortgage professional that it's highly likely that people will listen to, if they like it, they'll share it with other people and it just grows and grows from there. Yeah. And it just keeps getting shared. So great. Um, anything else you want to share on podcasting? I think that that's, uh, it's been great. I love podcasting. I, and one of the things I love is like just sitting here with you right now, Phil, I'm learning myself. Yes. So, so same I same way. I, I, I learn in every episode that I record. I recorded, uh, uh, 
a guy named Neil Schaefer who wrote a book, Age of Influence, and he talks about influence within social media and marketing. And it was an incredible conversation. And uh, I, I learned every time I do an interview and every time I'm being interviewed, there's always takeaways from it. And uh, so if for no other reason, sometimes you can have people go out and create a YouTube channel or a, a, a podcast and interview folks just because you become sharper and better. You, you learn the questions to ask and the topics that, that matter and that are relevant to your business. Thank you for sharing that, Phil. You are a marketing expert. What other marketing tips would you have outside of podcasting for anybody in the mortgage or real estate space? If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Yeah, so that's a tough question. Um, I, I would say don't underestimate the impact of a strong personal brand. And a lot of times people misconstrue that term personal brand. And I was fortunate enough to have uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V on my podcast. I got to travel to New York and VaynerMedia and, and do a podcast there. And so I you asked, did what, you did one live in his studio. Is that right? I, yeah, I did. I did one live uh, in, in Gary V's studio. Oh, Orig oh, originally, oh. it was going to be a Zoom uh, recording and he ended up having to cancel and then a few months later, as we were trying to put it together, they said, hey, you know, because this has taken longer than necessary, why don't, you know, you just come here. And so I got to see the, the epicenter of his mothership at VaynerMedia. That was really, really cool. But one of the conversations that we had was around a personal brand. And he said, you know, a lot of people hear it and think that's, you know, kind of a douchey term. And he said, what, what, what you need to be thinking about is reputation. Because most people, when you say reputation, their spine stiffens a little bit. And that's what we're talking about with a personal brand but you need to focus on the person more so than just the brand, especially in real estate. I see it all the time with real estate agents. They think they need a cool little logo and a cool little team name and a shtick. And, and they're great. There's nothing wrong with branding your team or branding your business within you know, the, the broader scope of the industry. But that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about content that's unique to you things that people follow you for. You know, one of the things whenever I was traveling a lot that, that I just kind of happened was I would out of the window of a plane when I was traveling, take a picture of the wing on the skyline and I would just put the three digit airport code with an arrow to the other three digit airport code that I was traveling to just, you know, to kind of share my Instagram stories. Hey, here's where I'm traveling to today. Well, it became kind of a joke that Phil shares his wing picks and it, it turned into people were following me to see, hey, where is he going? You know, this, that, or the other. So that became part of my personal brand because my wife and I, that we do, our, we like to travel. We're frequent travelers, you know, personally. And I travel a lot for speaking engagements and whatnot professionally. And that became part of my persona. It became part of who I was that people did. I opened up a craft beer brewery, like I mentioned. That became part of it. I'm, you know, a, a huge Michael Jordan fan. I see jerseys hanging in the in the background. You know, like, there's parts of who I am that became more important than just what I did. And if I could make sure people understand that, especially in real estate, when you scroll through so many social media profiles of, of real estate professionals, you see their listings, you see pictures of people that they close, you know, houses with, with their little title company sign or the little thing that says, hey, I closed with so-and-so. And, -so. and again, there's nothing wrong with that. But people don't want to be bombarded with just that. They want to see the other things. And I'll give you an example. Who, who are you, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. People don't care what you do as much as who you are. And I'll give you an example. Last night, as a matter of fact, I had someone comment on 
Uh, I had a, a guy that was a guest of my podcast. He shared the podcast episode on his Instagram profile. And a guy commented on there and said, uh, he said, that's so cool that you're on Phil's podcast. Um, I've been listening to his podcast and he and I started messaging. We were DMing back and forth because I was thanking him for the kind words. And he said, man, he goes, I, someone had told me about your podcast and I listened and you said something in there about the fact that uh, you're, you're uh, an aspiring scotch drinker. Like you're really learning about scotches and whatnot. And he goes, and I drink bourbon. And he goes, I just thought that was really cool. So I kept listening to your podcast. And I thought to myself, it wasn't because of the guests. It wasn't because we were talking about, we had a shared commonality of uh, different types of whiskey. And that's what, what got him in. And had I not shared those things in my social media profiles and the conversations, he, it would have just been another podcast talking about marketing things. So that's the first thing I would say when it comes to marketing. And, and the last thing I'll, I'll say on that is effective marketing is the balance of trust and attention. You've got to create an attention. You've got to get someone's attention to understand who you are and what you do, because you can be the most trusted profession in the industry. Nobody knows who you are. You're not going to do any business at the same time. Uh, you could be uh, one of the most trusted mortgage professionals out there, real estate professionals, you know, same thing. You've got to have balance, people knowing who you are. I could light myself on fire, put it on Facebook, all kinds of people might see it. Doesn't mean I've created that trust. So don't underestimate what a personal brand can do to not only create exposure and attention as well as follow that formula of no like, and trust. Okay. So you talked about the know your audience that you then said, know your message. And then you talked about the medium. Correct. So podcasting is one medium. How important do you feel it is to be across all mediums? Um, I think you need to have exposure in a lot of different places, right? Not, not all your eggs in one basket kind of thing. Like for example, on social media, I think you need to be on multiple platforms. You know, if you're not spending a lot of time on multiple platforms, start at one, get a good rhythm there, go to a next one. You know, you've got to be out there on social media because different types of people are going to have their favorites within the, the social media platform world. I don't think that you have to go really, really deep across a lot of different content types. And what I mean by that is there's really four main types of content. You have written, you've got audio or you know voice, and then you have video, and then you kind of have a, a part 3B, which is pictures, right? You, you can still put out a lot of picture content. But essentially audio written and then video. I'm very heavy in audio, but I use that to be some in written where there's some long form you know, posts uh, uh, you know, on Facebook or Instagram. I do some audiograms. Uh, we'll take some screenshots or, you know, sometimes I take the Zoom recording like this and, and repurpose it into short videos. But you need to have what your main platform is. And then from there, you can spread your net a little wider. But do I think people should have, take a ton of time building out a podcast as well as a YouTube channel, as well as posting, you know, multiple times a day on, on all the different social media profiles? No, I don't think so. I think, again, that formula of know who is your target audience what message is it that you're trying to give them? And then the third part is, you know, what medium, because typically there's only one or two mediums that's going to most effectively deliver that particular message to that particular audience. For me, it's podcast and social media. 
I don't do a ton of video. I did for a while. My first 50 episodes, you can see either the whole episode or, or a, a fraction of it on the Mortgage Marketing Expert YouTube channel. What I found though is 90% of my listeners were either subscribed or they saw the podcast because of social media. I was not getting any lift of YouTubers or YouTube people stumbling across it and then going and listening to my podcast. Yeah. And so I stopped doing that. So you have to have some clear focus, but you also need to spread your wings a little bit. So when you say social media, what are, what are the social media platforms you use to market your message to the mortgage industry? I think you need to be on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. I think you need to be on all four of those platforms. Again, you know, a lot of people will, will kind of poo-poo on the Twitter comment. The reason that I think Twitter matters is it's a way to, to jump into conversations, right? Hashtagging and, you know, geographic area. You can find people talking about, you know, open houses or, you know, mortgages or, or different things and jump into those conversations. Or if you're talking about what we were, you know, uh, going over earlier, you can jump in and have conversations with people about things that have absolutely nothing to do with the industry and connect with people and then find out about what you do. But aside from Twitter, I think Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn are probably the most important platforms. And in mortgage and real estate, you'll have people again that will turn up their nose at LinkedIn because they're getting spammed by recruiters or people that want to hire them. But you have to think about it, about it like we did with the podcast and business owners. What if you went in your local market and connected with business owners, with young professionals or older professionals or whoever else is on there and you started sharing content that they were engaged with? Well, then again, when they're in market or have someone, you're the one that they see. And LinkedIn engagement is as high as Facebook was, you know, seven, eight years ago. Right now, believe it or not, they're still more people consuming content on LinkedIn than there is people creating content, which will create more, more engagement on the posts that you put out there. And so, you know, Facebook and Instagram, those are obvious choices. Uh, I would say on Facebook, you know, focus a lot on groups and focus on engaging with other people's content. If you post something on Facebook, you have between a two and 20% chance that someone's going to see it. But if you go comment an insightful comment on someone else's post, there's almost a hundred percent chance that they're going to see it. So when you're talking about engagement, sometimes it's not about posting all the time as much as it has engaging with other people's content. And uh, so again, you know, th those are, I think it's important to be across all four platforms. So I noticed you didn't say TikTok. Now, Gary V is all over TikTok. I think he's up to, I guess, 6 million viewers there. My son just hit 4.5 million or nice. he, just, he just hit 5 million on TikTok. Now, because he's got 5 million on TikTok, he's got hundreds of thousands on every other platform. I know TikTok is kind of a different audience, but you know, Gary V, uh, he's not necessarily the TikTok audience either. So he's had success with it. I noticed you didn't bring that up. Most business professionals are not yet on TikTok. What's your What's your I love TikTok as a platform. I am a TikTok consumer. Uh, I do have a TikTok account. I have a, a few posts on there. It's mainly been me trying to familiarize myself with the platform. But since I went and did my recording, um, what has been nine or 10 months ago, I have been an, an active TikTok uh, uh, participant. Um, the reason I don't mention it is because I'm still not sure how it's scalable within business. I totally agree that someone can go put good content on TikTok, go to a huge audience, which will spill over into their other social media profiles. But I, I typically 
uh, only talk about platforms that I know for sure or have a strategy of how that can be parlayed into business. I totally agree. It's a viral platform that's aging up extremely quickly that you can get a ton of engagement with. But unless that engagement and content online can translate to offline business and sales, right, then, then it's not something that I feel good about endorsing. I think everybody should have a TikTok account. I think you need to learn the platform. And there's a lot of other social networks out there that aren't maybe getting quite as much exposure that you need to familiarize yourself with. Just like on Instagram, Reels came out. I know how to do Reels now. I'm, I'm you know, experimenting with it and playing with it. We need to continue to be learning. Um, the only reason I didn't mention it isn't because people shouldn't do it. It's that I don't know how to effectively articulate if you do X and then Y, here is your result in business. And uh, I, I agree with Gary Vee. There's lots of ways to do it. I'm just still learning it myself. And so I don't want to, I don't want to speak out of turn and point somebody in the wrong direction. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I haven't done anything business wise on TikTok either, but I watch Gary Vee and I think the, the biggest thing that I look at when I see that is that is the up and coming generation and he's already got their attention when they're still in their, you know, call it 15 to 22 years old and they're already listening to Gary Vee because he's on TikTok. So totally. I think if you want to capture that younger generation, great place to start. You just need to figure out how to be effective on it, which is a different animal, especially for business people. It is. And I think there's, there's another part of that conversation that if you're trying to reach people within your community, any social media platform will do it. And TikTok may help you really create a huge following in your community because TikTok does, the algorithm is going to show you in your For You page, people that are geographically closer to you than others, right? That, that's built into the algorithm. So if you're putting out great content, and that's a few of the pages that I follow a lot, are talking about cool restaurants or hidden gems within the DFW area because I, I live here in Dallas. And so, yes, that's a great way to do exposure. When it comes to understanding a TikTok algorithm versus a LinkedIn algorithm versus a Facebook or Instagram, they're all very different animals. And so that's, you know, again, if, if someone's not participating in Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram, they need to start there, in my opinion, before yeah. jumping into a TikTok account. I just totally agree with um, your opinion. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think that's, that is where things are going. Um, assuming there's obviously some political turmoil about what that looks like. But um, yeah, I think in, in, at the end of the day, if you put out good content that people want to engage with on any platform, people will find out that you're mortgage and real estate professional. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Yeah, awesome. Okay, um, I want to learn more about this in industry syndicate that you started. How long has that been now? Like a year and a half, something like that? Yeah, so we founded it in the beginning of 2019. Okay, that makes sense. Um, that's really just when we were launching our software platform and I was, yeah. I was talking to one of your co-founders there about, yeah. about um, driving us into the mortgage industry. But tell us what that is. I mean, what is the industry syndicate? Yeah, so the industry syndicate is the first and largest uh, podcast network specifically for mortgage and real estate professionals. And again, I'm, I'm a huge uh, podcasting advocate and evangelist. And there was a, a handful of us that got together who were all podcasters who were speaking at a lot of the same industry conferences and, and kept running into each other. And uh, we all had the same question about a year and a half, two years ago when we were, you know, uh, starting our podcast, which was, where do I find other podcasts like yours? Because at the end of the day, if someone 
is enjoying consuming a podcast, they're going to listen to others. So what we decided is we wanted to be a go-to resource for mortgage and real estate professionals to find uh, good content that was relevant for, for modern mortgage and real estate professionals. And so we have about 32 or 33 shows that are all podcasts specifically for mortgage or real estate professionals or both. And uh, they're for mortgage and real estate professionals. So we don't really have any podcasts that go direct to consumer. These are podcasts designed to help people build their business. And so um, it wasn't a big decision other than, hey, let's you know, formalize this. Let's create a name. Everybody has a little industry syndicate logo that fits in the bottom of their cover art. We liked it because it looked similar to the parental advisory logo that was on you know, CDs and tapes whenever we were kids. And so it kind of draws people attention down there. Like, you know, what is this industry syndicate? And as we've grown and evolved, we, we have a mobile app where people can see um, our shows, can listen to some of our shows through the app, can uh, uh, participate in a community and, and talk with other, you know, listeners and show hosts and things of that nature. But really it was just about making sure we could add value to the industry and, and sending people to get the industry syndicate mobile app on Google Play or Apple App Store or go online and see a list of our shows. We felt like that was a lot easier than saying, hey, here is the five best you know, real estate podcasts or whatever. So we, we just kind of put a collaborative together and a network um, and you know, we've had a lot of support and, and uh, we're trying to help each other increase our audiences and, and you know, provide better content to the industry. So what does somebody need to do to get on the industry syndicate? And I ask that <laughs> as a real estate host of a podcast, I'm not on that syndicate. So what, what needs to happen there? I mean, if, if I'm on there, then you're on there on my show, right? Right. Yeah. So, you know, and it, it does happen. We do share each guest with, with one another and, and we are guests on each other's podcast. But no, it's, it's as simple as, you know, reaching out to Dustin Brome, who has the Massive Agent podcast. Uh, he and I are the, the co-founders. And, uh, you know, we, we look at a couple different things. One is we want to make sure that, that someone has an audience size. Um, you know, they're right now we have about 250 or 300,000 monthly listeners across all of our shows. And so we, we are able to provide each other some lift. And so we, we do, we look at, uh, you know, does someone have a, a decent audience size? Do they fit in a, a niche that maybe we're not covering? You know, if we have, or four shows that are all talking about the exact same thing you know it tends to get watered down we want to add some value as far as that as well but um you know we we typically just have conversations make sure they're of a like mind and, and then we we put it together awesome i i read something about you i don't remember where it was but you were talking about closing gifts backfiring <laughs> so i want i want to hear more about this because uh i think most real estate agents do provide closing gifts we, we just rolled out a program at CSU on the behalf of our agents to provide, allow them to provide closing gifts through us to their clients. So I, I really right. would love to hear your perspective on this. So uh, it's interesting that you read something because I, I know that, uh, again, Dustin Brome and I on his podcast, I want to say it was before last Christmas, did an episode about it. And um, I've, I've had, you know, some people on mine where we've talked about it, but so I think promo items and closing gifts are done in a way that we feel good about giving a gift and we don't spend as much time thinking about what that gift may mean to the person, right? They want to make sure that their logo's big and huge on it. And so that's, you know, okay for tax purposes. And again, in mortgage real estate, the tax ramifications or expense, you know, 
ability or whatnot, those are different. So I'm not an accountant. I'm, that's my disclaimer. I'm not giving any accounting advice. But I will say that whenever you're giving a closing gift, when you're, when you're handing out promo items, Christmas gifts, whatever, think about things that people will want to use and use it to remind them of you. If you have to put your name and your brand logo on a gift so large that they quote unquote never forget you, then you've not done a great job of making the type of impression during the transaction to create that customer for life experience. And putting your name on a cutting board or a Cutco knife or something like that isn't going to, to do that. And so I try to think of things that people will keep around and use. One of my favorites is a, a wine opener, a really nice wine bottle opener. Um, and only because it worked on me. A guy had given me one. He was an account executive. He gave me one. I threw it in a drawer. But if, if anybody out there drinks wine, you can never have enough because as soon as you need one, it's never where you want it to be, right? And so um, I have one, you know, it, it has our, our, our company name on there. Um, but there, you need to think about what those things are for people as far as, you know, promo gifts or closing gifts. If you can take an experience or conversation that you had with that person and parlay that into a gift, that's where you're solidifying that impression. Um, and again, there, there's lots of really cool companies that provide all kinds of branded gifts and I'm not taking anything away from it. But again, I personally am not going to use a cutting board with a big real estate logo in the middle of it with the name across the bottom, call me, or even some of the things that you put on your, your magnets and, and things like that on there. Just, just be realistic. What do you use in your life? What would you keep? What would you use? And, and then again, personalize it. That particular person, what is something that, uh, you know, is going to make them think of me because I've already done a good job at, of solidifying that relationship? Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks for sharing that. So um, I just have a few questions to wrap up here. I know we're running short on time. Just have a few more minutes left. Uh, would love to get your, I know you've listened to a ton of podcasts. I know you've read a ton of books. What book or podcast would you recommend other than possibly your own podcast? <laughs> a mortgage uh, marketing expert podcast. Now, um, uh, man, I, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Anybody on industry syndicate is going to be uh, great for mortgage and real estate professionals. I, I will shout them out. Um, you know, I read a ton of books. My, my favorite books right now um, as far as some how to's, uh, relentless by Tim Grover. Um, cause again, I'm a sports guy. That one really had a huge impact. Um, there's one, uh, never split the difference by Chris Voss. Um, yeah. he's a, was a former FBI negotiator and then, uh, principles by Ray Dalio has been a huge impact on me. Uh, it's a tough one to read. You kind of have to take it in, in pieces. Um, so I think that those are, those are three that, you know, over the last uh, six months or year that I think have been very impactful. And then anything by Seth Godin, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, agreed. Awesome. Thank you. Um, what about your favorite place to visit? Oh, that's tough. Um, in the U.S. or anywhere? Anywhere. You know, uh, the Exumas, the Exuma Islands in the Bahamas are pretty incredible. My wife and I traveled there and I think, uh, if we do a tropical vacation, you know, assuming this COVID stuff is done and over with, that will definitely be where we're going to go. Are you, are you guys traveling right now? I know. Um, I mean, so. yeah, I mean, I, I, there's some engagements that I have coming up for work that I'm traveling. Um, you know, we've, we've pretty much been 
quarantined during the house for the last several months, but we are getting out and about, you know, we're social distancing, sanitizing masks, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, we, our fifth anniversary is coming up in October. And so we're trying to figure out logistically if we can make it happen. If we can get somewhere, we will travel, but it's just a matter of uh, whether places will let us in or not. Cause there's some countries that aren't super happy about us Americans right now. So, <laughs> right. Okay. What's your, what's your favorite thing to do in your personal time? Um, again, uh, this is going to sound redundant. I love podcasts. I love to read. Uh, also I'm an avid guitar player. I love to play guitar and, um, you know, being outside, you know, sometimes that's traveling, sometimes that's working out, but, um, those are the things that keep me Zen that keep me in a good, you know, headspace and, and mental attitude. Um, and then of course, you know, maybe some craft beer, some scotch that doesn't hurt either. <laughs> How long have you been playing guitar? I've always wanted to start and I never have. So, uh, so I, I started at age 15. And uh, so I can't say that I've been playing for 23 years, but I started playing 23 years ago. Okay. At that time, I had two buddies that learned to play at the same time. We'd all go learn a bunch of different songs and get together on the weekend and teach each other. So we learned three times as fast. And then I've played off and on since then. Um, you know, I'm probably an intermediate guitar player. I'm not an expert by any stretch of imagination, but I think it's an instrument that anybody at any age can pick up. Um, my brother in particular was a music major through college. He was a trumpet player, you know, jazz musician, just super talented. And he didn't pick up a guitar until his early thirties. Um, you know, over the last 10 years, he's a heck of a lot better guitar player than I am. And I've been playing, you know, twice as long as he has. So yeah. Okay. Good, good to know. Um, uh, really the last thing, and I know you've already given so much advice, but if there was just something you could leave with us, um, just as far as the most important piece of advice that you'd want to leave today, what would that be? Um, you know, on a, on a practical level, I would say there's a big difference between marketing and sales. Marketing gets someone's attention it's sales that makes them a customer. And a lot of times we think we're marketing when really what we're doing is selling. And then as, as, a, as a part B to that, I would say never stop learning. And I don't care how you learn. If you don't want to listen to this, you know, obviously you're listening to this podcast, but if you know, don't listen to mine or you don't want to read books, that's cool, but, but you have to continue to learn. You got to learn about your business. You've got to learn about life. You've got to learn about you know, marketing and sales and all the things that make us professionals. And I think that's the people that live fulfilling lives, both personally and professionally are ones that are continuing to grow, continuing to learn. And, and through that, everything else comes easy. Yeah, I totally agree. Growth equals happiness. It's really that easy. Absolutely. So um, thank you, Phil. Uh, I know people are going to want to reach out to you. Uh, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, anywhere on social media, you can find me at Phil Treadwell, uh, my website, philtreadwell.com, or you can uh, go to mmepodcast.com, stands for Mortgage Marketing Expert. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of through socials, and, and I've got some email addresses and stuff on there as well. All right, Phil. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, you've given some great advice and some things that I'm definitely going to take into my businesses. So, well, Brian, you. I appreciate what you're doing for the industry. Appreciate you having me on and a uh, big fan. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. 
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search Grit, the Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.